Worship is all for God's pleasure, and God is most pleased when we take pleasure in Him. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Come, enjoy me. Bread of Life is sponsored by the Bread of Life Fellowship of Boise, Idaho. You can contact us by calling us at 208-331-4096. That number again is 208-331-4096. Join us now for the Bread of Life. Here's Joel Van Hoogen. Paul is saying that the suffering that the Christian endures in this life is not to be compared with the glory to come in the unending life that awaits us. Something is in the time-bound yet born-again person that glows with eternity. This possession of eternal life and promise of coming glory helps us endure in the service of Christ even in the midst of hardship, heartache, opposition, loneliness, and despair. Let's get a picture here. The person that's being described here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is the born-again man, the born-again woman, who is brought into by the mercy of God that's been poured out to him in verse 1, been brought into the ministry of mercy where they are living their lives to bring the gospel and proclaim the gospel through their lives to as many people and through their words to as many people as possible. And they're carrying out this ministry in a world in which men are being blinded by the God of this age. But as they carry out this message, the message of the gospel, Christ coming and dying for men's sins and suffering in their place and rising from the dead in order to grant them and give them his eternal everlasting life. As they proclaim that gospel, it's not that the light of this wonderful truth of all that Christ has done is simply on their lips. Actually, the light of this gospel is shining into their lives and it's shining out from their lives. Verse 6 says this, For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts, he shines his light into us to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. In other words, he says, he shines this light out from us. It's not just the knowledge we gain, but the knowledge that's emitted from our lives. What it means is that not only does the born-again person look forward to an unending eternity, but that somehow they have that glory of that eternity shining into them at this very moment, right now. It's coming to us. He goes on to say, he says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. He has put something of this glory in us. There is something in the time-bound person who has been born again that is set on fire with eternity. And this possession of eternal life and the promise of coming glory out of this life gives that born-again man or woman the ability to endure in service for Christ and to continue to service the gospel of Jesus Christ as debtors to that gospel and debtors to those who don't know it, in the midst even of hardship and heartache and opposition and loneliness and despair. And so Paul goes on to write, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Remember, Jesus borrows our bodies in order to perfect his sufferings. That the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. For we who live are delivered to death for Jesus' sake. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Summing up, in a sense, this account of our temporary afflictions in the face of the eternity that is shining into him and shining out from him and that waits and stands before him. 
Paul says in verse 16, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Yet the inward man, the born-again man, that new nature, that new creature that is ours in Christ, is being renewed day by day. Just this last December, early in December, I read an article that had been published on the Gospel Coalition website. It was a tribute to a woman by the name of Helen Rosevere. Helen Rosevere was an English woman who lived from 1925 to December 7, 2016. And she was a famous English mission in the nation of the Congo, which is now called Zaire. She died on December 7th at the age of 91. I'd like to share with you a little bit about her testimony. When she came to give her life to Jesus Christ and surrendered her life to Jesus Christ, it was as the result of being at a Bible conference in which a famous Bible teacher by the name of Graham Scroge was teaching. And he wrote Philippians 3.10 in her new Bible, and then he went on to tell her as commentary to what he wrote. Tonight you've entered into the first part of this verse, that I may know him. This is only the beginning, and there's a long journey ahead. My prayer for you is that you will go on through the verse to know the power of his resurrection, and also, God willing, one day perhaps, the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. At the moment of conversion, she felt immediately a call to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, a call to missions. And not long after that, she, at another meeting, stood up publicly before all present and declared that that was God's call upon her life. Her declaration was basically this, to everyone there, I'll go anywhere God wants me to, whatever the cost. She tells us that right after making that proclamation, she went out from that meeting and she climbed up into a mountain. And there in the mountain, she knelt down before God and she... She said to God this, Okay, God, today I mean it. Go ahead and make me more like Jesus, whatever the cost. But please, when I feel I can't stand anymore and cry out, Stop, will you ignore my stop? And remember today that I said, Go ahead. Well, after graduating from Cambridge with a doctorate in medicine at the age of 28, she arrived in 1953 in the northeast region of Congo. In the first two years after arriving there, she founded a training school for nurses that were training women to serve as nurse evangelists who would go out and run clinics and dispensaries throughout the region in which she worked. She then took over an abandoned maternity ward and a leprosy center, and she helped to transform it into a 100-bed hospital that provided for women's needs, for the needs of lepers and for children. And then she began a school for paramedics, training evangelist paramedics to go out into regions beyond. She developed, as a result of that, 48 different clinics in these rural regions that would care for people's needs but also proclaim the gospel. Sometime after that, the civil war broke out in the Congo, and as a result of the war that broke out in the Congo, she was apprehended and she was thrown into prison and she describes the horror that she experienced when she was caught having tried to escape from her prison. Quote, They found me, dragged me to my feet, struck me over the head and shoulders, flung me to the ground, kicked me, dragged me to my feet again only to strike me again, the sickening, searing pain of a broken tooth, a mouthful of sticky blood, my glasses gone, beyond sense, numb with horror and unknown fear, Driven, dragged, pushed back to my own house, yelled at, insulted, cursed. They were brutal and drunken. They cursed and swore. They struck and kicked. They used the butt end of rifles and rubber truncheons. We were roughly taken, 
thrown into prison, humiliated, threatened. Eventually, this continued to go on for a protracted period of time until she was brutally assaulted and violated. She later recounted, on that dreadful night, beaten, bruised, terrified, tormented, unutterably alone, I felt at last that God had failed me. Surely He could have stepped in earlier. Surely things need not have gone that far. I had reached what seemed to be the ultimate depth of despairing nothingness. In this darkness, however, she says she sensed that the Lord began to speak to her, and what He said to her was this, You asked me, when you were first converted, for the privilege of being a missionary. This is it. Don't you want it? These are not your sufferings. They're mine. All I ask of you is the loan of your body. And following this, she received an overwhelming sense of the privilege, she writes, that Almighty God would stoop to ask of me a mere nobody in a forest clearing in the jungles of Africa something he needed, my life to carry on his sufferings. The beginning of the article starts with this quote from her. It's this. The privilege God offers you is greater than the price you pay. The privilege is greater than the price. This light affliction works for us an exceedingly great reward and glory. One last illustration. Here's the picture for you. Here's the picture of pain and suffering and trial and difficulty for the follower of Jesus Christ who suffers for His glory with the disposition that all is for His namesake. Fall has come. The leaves on the tree have all died. Winter has passed. The cold has frigidly borne in upon that tree. Early spring has arrived on the tree, but if you look at the tree, all of the leaves that had died during the fall period have stayed and remained on that tree. They're now dead. They're ready to turn to dust. But now, on a quiet early spring day, they begin to fall to the ground. The winds of the fall couldn't make them fall. The frigid cold of the winter could not cause these dead leaves to be released. But now they fall to the ground. What is it that's causing them to fall now in the spring? Well, in that tree that has passed through the dead of winter, a new sap is forming and new buds are rising and the burgeoning life in that tree is pressing out those dead leaves to release themselves and go to the ground. So it is for the Christian. We're faced with sorrow, we're faced with decay and the ruin of our age in which we live, but eternal life is rising within us. Death is not taking us over. It is sloughing off from us as new life, eternal life takes hold. And knowing this, we endure this short day of sorrow. Our spring, our eternal spring is coming. Here are three brief lessons for you. Number one, endure suffering and pain faithfully for Christ. The pay you gain is so good and so far surpassing the price of the sweat and tears and blood that you now shed. Endure and faithfully serve Him. Number two, 
Make good use of your time. Trust now the Savior and continue trusting in Him. Live in light of eternity. Build up that reward that will be dispensed for your faithfulness. Whether you're blessed or you're buffeted, whether you're engulfed in a moment of pain or pleasure, set it all out as unto the Lord and let it all turn you to Him and for His sake. Number three, let the sap of eternal life flow. Serve the gospel and serve your Savior in the face of death. Serve as the instincts of eternity stir within you, even in times of trial. Endure. Be faithful. Toil on. The day of reward is coming soon. And that day of reward will never end. Time is ours for one thing. To live for that endless day. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Could a table set before us, O God, reveal within it not only your intent to suffer all the wages, all the suffering of our sins, to bear upon yourself all that we've accumulated in time in order to pour out upon us all that you've reserved for us in glory, then we let it go. We let this be yours. We let it still be yours. All suffering, all sorrow, all pain, all grief. You've been listening to The Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. If you'd like a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, God bless you.